Howdy, folks. This is good old J.R. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice. Welcome to the Ross Report. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, Slobberknocker Audio is on the air. It's on your air, and I thank you for that. Thank you for subscribing to our broadcast, our podcast, this audio calamity on Apple Podcasts, and we appreciate that. It's free, by the way, so you get exactly what you pay for. Keep that in mind in today's economy. So it's free entertainment, and we thank you for, for supporting our sponsors that keep it free. More on that later. We've got a great show today. I am uh, pumped. Jerry, the King Lawler here for part two today. Boy, we got great feedback on the King show. You know, if somebody said, uh, God, JR, it's like riding down the road with you guys. We're in the back seat and y'all are just talking, shooting the breeze. And uh, so it was good. It was good. And I, and I had fun. So today, part two is coming your way. Also, we're going to kick off the show with a first time guest that I'm really impressed with her work. And after talking to her, I'm really impressed with her. And that is Santana Garrett will be joining us. Some of you may remember Santana in the May Young Classic. And she also competes in several different promotions. So she's very easy to find and access uh, online and, and so forth. So we'll talk to her tonight. She's going to be a part of the big uh, MLW wrestling event. Court Bauer and his uh, band of misfits are putting on on December the 7th, Thursday, December 7th uh, in Orlando. And that will be a interesting night at the Guilt Nightclub. We'll talk more about that in this hour as well. So, uh, good show. The King, Santana, Santana Garrett, not Carlos Santana, black magic woman. We'll have all that for you, but first, you know, my God, you got to have it. I've started a career a monster here. You got to have it. It's what's on my mind. It's time. It's time. It's what's on JR's mind? Got to start off by thanking uh, all the folks that came out to see me on Sunday in Tulsa at uh, the Barnes & Noble there on 71st Street out near Woodland Hills. I can talk like this because I used to live there. I got in the wrestling business in Tulsa. Very special town. And uh, it was cool seeing a lot of old friends, getting updates on other old friends, meeting my third cousins that I hadn't seen in probably maybe I was a teenager. So it was cool. A very nostalgic day. I signed books for about three hours straight, maybe a little north of three hours. But I had a great time taking the pictures, the photo ops, everybody. Just a lot of fun. So thank you, Tulsa. And I appreciate you all very much. I'll always be a 918er at heart. The next book signing, of course, we're going to be in the New Orleans area, Metairie, Barnes & Noble this week. And, of course, that's at 3721 Veterans Boulevard in Metairie. Love to see you there. Does that pass you by on this one? And then uh, I'm pumped up about going to New York next week. I'll be on Tuesday night, December 5, 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Barnes & Noble in Tribeca, New York City. 97 Warren Street, I'm told. 
be my first foray there. We're also going to do a Q and a at that signing. So you'll get a Q and a, a free Q and a, and the book signing, bring your cameras. I'll sign other stuff too. If you don't want to buy a book, no worries. Really? There's no worries. If, if you can get there and just say hi, that's good enough. Okay. So I can't make it any more fair than that. I don't think. Cause I r- really need to see you guys and I appreciate you, your support as, as obviously. Then after the Barnes and Noble Tribeca signing, I'll be on Wednesday night, December the 6th, 6 PM at uh, bookends or one of our favorite stops bookends as in Ridgeway, New Jersey for fans in that area. You've probably been going to signings there for years Two eleven East Ridgewood drive. It's on the lovely Two Eleven East. Ridgewood Drive. <laughs> I didn't live there. The last shameless plug for me is uh, Laugh Boston. It should be called Laugh Your Ass Off Boston because we're going to have some fun there. Saturday afternoon, a matinee, December 16th. The uh, VIP meet and greet starts at 1 o'clock, and the show starts at 3 o'clock. I believe that's right. I know the show starts at 3 o'clock. It's earlier if you come to the uh, – VIP meet and greet. That's where you get the photo ops, sign your stuff, personalize, all that good stuff. So it's good. Uh, and a little private Q&A. So that'll be in in Boston. Jeremy Borash, the mega-talented Jeremy Borash, will be joining me. JB and I are quite the pair. As my granny would say, you two are a pair to draw to. So uh, join us. Laugh Boston. LaughBoston.com has tickets. They're affordable. They're available, and we really would love to see you there. Don't forget that coming up soon, and we're talking about it more on the program, the Guilt Nightclub event in Orlando with uh, MLW is going to be on Thursday, December the 7th, as many of you know. Uh, There are still tickets available for that event, I am told, but in limited quantity. Might want to move on that deal. And if you can't be there to see it uh, live, and most of you can't, I get it, It'll be available on uh, video on demand online about three days after the event. So great card, a little bit of something for everybody. And we, we a lot of, uh, a lot of the talents that are going to be on that program, uh, are going to be here with us this week. As a matter of fact, one of them, Santana Garrett's going to be there. We'll talk more with her about it. So, uh, check it out. A lot of good people involved in that project, hardworking, rolling sleeves up. You know, we want all wrestling companies to do well, no doubt. And I don't even want to deal with people that don't have the same feeling. And I've never heard, really said that about much. It's my way or the highway, rarely, right? I'm a free thinker, and I've, I've been ahead of my times in wrestling and behind my times in wrestling. But I, believe, I love the, the creativity, entrepreneurship, and we should support all these wrestling organizations when we can, when we can afford it, when we can be there, we can watch it online. Because why would you want anybody that loves wrestling, and they obviously do, or they wouldn't be in it, like you and I, to not have a job? And if some program gives you so much angst to watch it that you want the promotion to actually close its doors, what the hell is wrong with you? Help me out here. So I'm supporting that event. I support Lucha Underground's fourth season coming up. Good, good deal. Uh, a lot of folks get renewed jobs. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to say open-minded and Hey, look, there's things that every promotion does that I'm not overwhelmed about, but that's my taste. It's my opinion. And I'm smart enough to know that the remote has other networks on it. 
If there's something I'm not liking, I change the damn channel. It's really simple. Looking forward to Saturday. I'm going to be in Dallas. You're down to Jerry's World. See me. Say hello. Say howdy. That's what we do in Texas. You say howdy. Howdy, partner. That's even worse. Or if some hot chick comes up to him and says, what's up, cowboy? That's all. That works. That gets my attention. Oklahoma TCU rematch. Chippy game in Norman about three weeks ago or so. Players ejected, fighting, scuffling. They're going to renew that rivalry because it's all or nothing for Oklahoma in the sense that if TCU beats the Sooners Saturday morning on Fox Sports, then uh, Oklahoma has no chance in hell, in my opinion, for the uh, playoffs. They'll have two losses within their league, and I think that will not get them there. So it's a must-win for Oklahoma. I think if TCU wins, they won't make it to the playoffs either. We got two losses. It's so screwy. Here's what I tell my buddies that are OU fans. We just have to win three more games. It's that simple. We win three games, the centers of their national champions for the eighth time. And boy, I'll tell you folks, I believe in this team. Lincoln Riley's offense for Baker Mayfield is about as lethal as anything I've seen. And I thought when Sam Bradford was really hot and he had Jermaine Gresham and all, you know, I think AD was in that team. Maybe it's after AD. Andrew Ford tells us, uh, Murray, DeMarco, and I'm, now you're right. But b- bottom line was that Sam had a lot of weapons, NFL weapons. And I don't know that Baker's got a lot of NFL weapons. He's got some, no doubt. But he got what – Sam had, actually had more high-level talents on, on this team. But uh, Baker Mayfield's an amazing quarterback, great leader. I'm going to tell you what he did on Saturday. I got my sideline pass. I'm down in the south end zone. There's some guys hanging out. And Baker's doing his normal routine warming up like Odell Beckham Jr. He's catching passes. That's what he does to warm up. He catches passes like he's a receiver. And he's a hell of a receiver. So he's catching passes with one hand. He catches one with one hand a la Odell. He slings it with a behind-the-back pass back to the guy that threw in the pass who, who was about 30 yards away. Damnest thing I've ever seen. Hey, uh, big news is coming soon uh, from Access TV regarding the their presentation of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm thinking quite seriously that it's going to be centered around the Access TV's unique coverage that they seem to be planning to present Wrestle Kingdom 12. I know I've cleared some dates that week, so uh, to be where I need to be, which I hope is uh, Los Angeles. That's good for my birthday week, L.A. I'm in. So, uh... We'll keep you posted on that. I hope that you'll get the news somewhat exclusively here, or at least pieces of it, on our show. Maybe we'll get one of those big Access TV VIPs to jump on with us. How about that? One of those executives. I might just get Mark Cuban himself on here. Why not? Hell, let's go big. Go big or go home. What the hell? So uh, there you have it. My week is going to be fun. A little football at the end of the week. Podcasting, book signing, being around fun people, and uh, living life to its fullest. But in closing, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to say this. Please, no more faux harmonicas on any wrestling show for the rest of my life. That is all. And that's what's on my mind.
What's it like for you watching games of your son coaching? Agonizing. It's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You know, I didn't know there was actual work here. <laughs> Recent guests include Rich Eisen, Judge Judy, John Harbaugh, and the Sklar brothers. That was definitely a great moment to tell our parents, hey, we're not going to go to law school. We're just going to go ahead and do a job we could have done out of high school. Thanks for paying Thanks for, for paying for <laughs> Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get episodes every Tuesday at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Okay, now we know that we're past Thanksgiving for most of us. If those of you have yet to celebrate Thanksgiving, who would be celebrating Thanksgiving now? Canada has their Thanksgiving before America. I don't know. I'll have to research it. I'll put our crack staff on that deal. They'll be back with you toward the end of the year. But I can tell you this. I believe that our delicious products make excellent holiday gifts. You know you can buy JR's products at Ingalls Markets. There are great stores throughout the Southeast. Every product you buy of JR's line in an English market, a portion of the proceeds go to support uh, Headlock on Hunger. That's a big project I really believe in. Run by Bill Murdoch, a lot of real good people in Asheville, North Carolina. Beth Copeland, formerly Beth Phoenix, and her husband, the Viking, Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, or as Pat Patterson should call him, Hedge. Well, Hedge and Christian. So, great Great group. So when you buy something of mine, ours, in the Ingalls, part of those dollars go to Headlock on Hunger, I'm, I'm proud to say. And you also can get our, our products, as you know, at www.shop.com. And they have been out as a product lately. I'll tell you, it's selling great. So don't be disillusioned. And you might actually stumble on a better deal anyway, because I, I guess the closer you get to the holidays, don't the prices go down a little bit? So that might happen, but keep it in mind, bookmark www.shop.com and slash Jim Ross and, and you'll, you'll keep up what we got there. And, uh, we appreciate your business very much. We've got barbecue sauces and, and chipotle ketchup. Our main event mustard's got a, is a honey mustard jalapeno base. It's got one gram of sugar and our all purpose seasoning has won national awards. It's a private label I'm doing through uh, Stan smokehouse in Yukon. He's a, in the smoke meat hall of fame. I might add my fellow Oki. So uh, his seasoning is amazing on everything. So uh, check it out, www.shop.com. They'll send it to your front door and uh, do it in a good way. And the customer service is excellent beyond compare. And also, you know, I made that appearance uh, and signed a bunch of books up at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees in Chicago for my pal Ryan Barkin. He has a great crew there, as you know. It's a cool store to go in. I, I could stay, hang there all day. Because all the artwork is so amazing, and the what you can get on a shirt up to 5X. I saw a good sized fella that would be in the super heavyweight category, I would politely add, with a big red slobber knocker shirt on Saturday. And I said, That's a nice shirt, big boy. He said, Pro Wrestling Tees. So, Pro Wrestling Tees.com slash Jim Ross. I got all kinds of shirts, little designs, there's a cool cartoon. And, my fat ass, uh, slobber knocker thing. I'm looks like I'm trying to poop poo a peach seed. That's an interesting visual, isn't it? Poop a peach seed. Oh my God. I can feel it now. Can you tell me more about it? Mr. Barnett, I don't think we need to be talking about uh, you pooping a peach seed. Well, I saw a stew. He's got huge hands. Yeah. And? Well, you know what they say. Big hands. Hey, I know. Big gloves. Good night, Mr. Barnett. The Ross Report.
Big date in Orlando on uh, December the 7th. It is a wrestling event that we've been talking about and getting a lot of great feedback on December the 7th. MLW's Never Say Never. And one of the featured matches on that card is my guest this time, uh, Santana Garrett. Santana, thank you very much for being with me. It is an honor. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I didn't get to see. I, I saw you. I saw plenty of you, by the way. I, I really enjoyed <laughs> seeing what I saw of you in Orlando for May Young, the, the May Young thing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an honor to be a part of the May Young Classic. And uh, I'm, I'm just excited about all the opportunities that have presented themselves, including MLW. I'm on the next event, Never Say Never. Really yeah. excited. You're being challenged by Impact Wrestling's Laurel Van Ness. I am, and we have quite the history. Hmm. Um, we actually met in Japan, and we wrestled all over the world together, whether we were wrestling each other or um, in a tag team. But we've literally we wrestled Japan and Japan and India and Spain and England in Mexico, and I mean I I don't think we have yet to actually wrestle in America yet. No. So history is being made on December seventh at Major League Wrestling. She's a a very talented young woman. Was she trained by Lance Storm? She was. When somebody tells me that a wrestler has actually stepped up to the plate and earned a check doing this crazy stuff, was trained at Lance Storm School, I always just take it for granted, well, they're fundamentally sound. And she certainly is. Definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. Her and a lot of other people that come out of that school are all, I mean, they have the reputation of, of being great wrestlers. You were trained by two of my old friends, two WWE Hall of Famers, <laughs> Scott Hall and Larry Zabisco. Did Larry ever come to you in the morning and say, oh, hi, hi Santana. It's Larry. It's Larry. <laughs> That's perfect. I, I had the program with Bruno, you know. Larry <laughs> That's Zabisco. good. And then he does his little, like, nod thing with the hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me this. Yeah. How much were those two gentlemen in the ring with you to teach you you know, the, the basics that you're, you were learning because you obviously learned very well. Was it more coaching, verbal coaching, or did they ever get in there and demonstrate anything? Scott Hall, also known as Razor Ramon, he was very hands-on. He would get in the ring um, all the time. He would either rep my matches from the outside or he'd hop in the ring and, and demonstrate. Um, and Larry Zabisco was more verbal he'd watch my matches with me and he'd critique them less is more less is more oh, yeah. you young young kids these days always want to do everything <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> larry feedback. larry was practicing the less is more <laughs> technique when he was the awa champion <laughs> i know <laughs> he's, so, he's so so old school <laughs> oh yeah well hey I, I believe this i believe that there's a lot of old school things that need and deserve to be brought forward Mm-hmm. I also believe that there's always room to make our business better. And essentially, the fans are going to determine that because they're going to contribute to your bottom line. If your bottom line is healthy, then you must be doing a pretty good job. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. The May Young was an interesting week for me because Lita and uh, Medusa and I got to talk to all the competitors, all you cats, 32 of you. Mm-hmm. No cameras or no intrusion. And to me, I'll tell you what happened to me. By the time Tuesday night was over and we had talked to all 32 of your peers, you and your peers, 31 of uh-huh. you, I had bought in. 
I came there saying, well, this will be a fun. It's different for me. You know, Lita's not, uh, you know, never worked with her to any degree in this world at all. <laughs> so I thought, well, this would be good for me. I'm kind of getting out of the house, you know. I've had a kind of a challenging year here and there. And so getting to go to Florida for a week and uh, call some wrestling was cool. But I was looking out like a gig. Oh, it's a booking. Oh, it's just a uh-huh. booking. You know, old school. I was just a booking kid. Don't get too excited. But when I got there and I heard everybody's story and how much it legitimately as a shoot meant to these women, including yourself, I said, I cannot do anything but try to do my very, very best work. And that's an interesting proposition all to come together. But nonetheless, am I overstating the fact that this was a real big deal to a whole lot of really talented women? Oh, my goodness. No, I mean, it it was the biggest deal. They literally picked 30 plus of the best of the best women from all over the world. And I was one of them, and I couldn't be more grateful and more honored to be amongst the women that were there. And um, I think everybody put their their best foot forward and and gave it everything they got. And overall, it was just a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it was. Very well organized. They took care of everybody well. Crowd was hot. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. How much does that help you? When I was announcing at ringside... People said, God, you got excited. I said, yeah, I got I was probably a little bit over-caffeinated. But other than that, <laughs> you, you, if you care and you're a passionate person to start with in, these, in this world, then it's easy to tap into all that uh, energy. There's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the music hits, you come out, and uh, when they're there for you, when the crowd is there for you, oh, it's the best feeling in the world. And you just like, I don't know, I stand at the top of that stage and I look around and I'm just like, Oh, thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here for me. And, you know, I give myself that self-pup talk in my head. I'm like, you got this girl. Now go out there and rock it. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you got to think, I believe. Your life is not easy. A few minutes ago, you were talking about uh, wrestling all over the world. You named a lot of very exotic countries. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're more exotic from uh, a non-traveler's vantage point than it is from the actual getting on a plane and going there. But... How have you managed this? Your dad was a wrestler. My dad was a wrestler. He was trained by Barry Funk, um, and he wrestled on the independence uh, for a few years and then uh, was a wrestling promoter out in Ocala, my hometown, Ocala, Florida, for a bit, and then out in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so I grew up watching wrestling as a fan with him, and I come from a big family. I've got five little brothers and two sisters. So it was rare that we got that one-on-one time with our family, uh, with either, you know, our mom or our dad. And for me and my dad, wrestling was our thing. And so that brought us together and, and, and gave us such a special bond. And so I got to watch him do his thing, and I was around it for many years. And then eventually it was my turn. And um, he's been very, very supportive. He's my number one fan. And, um, yeah, he, I'll probably call him after this interview. <laughs> oh, good. Tell him hello for me. Yeah, I, of I, I'm assuming that somewhere our paths crossed, uh, at some point in time. Who did you sure. say, who did you say trained your dad? Dory Funk. Oh, cool. Dory trained, you got Dory Jr. or Dory Sr.? Dory Sr. Wow. Wow. There you go. That's really going back in the, deep in the, in the wrestling roots. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. And those guys, those old school guys, had a way of training. They toughened you up a little bit, challenged your manhood, and subsequently then now the womanhood. You went through some training in the performance center, right? 
I did. I mean, the week of the Mayon Classic, I did a little bit there. Okay. Um, yeah. But aside from that, no, I've never had, you know, an official tryout or anything like that. Um, but I've done some work with the WWE and NXT uh, as extras. I've wrestled Asuka, I've wrestled Emma, um, and a couple of their other talents. Hmm. How did you find Asuka? Let me, and here's why I asked this question. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I'm a big mark for her. As a fan, I enjoy her physicality, Santana. I enjoy that she It looks like she's trying to win quickly, often, and suddenly, if she can. Like it's wink, wink, if it's real. That's what we would do. You try to win. And, yeah, I mean, that's a Japanese-style wrestling. So my match with her, I really, really enjoyed it, and I thank I am so thankful that it happened after my first Japan tour. I've done four Japan tours. I got a match, uh, an opportunity to wrestle Asuka right after I got back from my first Japan tour. And Japan, it's a, just a totally different story from, you know, wrestling in America. Um, so I was over there for two months. I trained Japanese style with all the Japanese girls. And, I mean, they're no joke. And that definitely prepared me for my match with Asuka, which I came up short, but... I mean, I hung in. I hung in there pretty well, and definitely gave her uh, a fight. She looks physical, is she? She is. I mean, she's she's the real deal. I like that. I I I'm saw uh, Ember Moon at uh, Survivor Series uh, weekend in Houston. I was there doing a book signing. Stayed at the hotel with the, all the WWE folks. I told her that I really admired her work, and I said the things that stand out to me were. You're almost like a, a carnivore on the prey. You're almost like mm-hmm. you look like an animal, like, a, like a, a panther. Very methodical and precise, and boom, she got you. And then her eyes, there's contacts she wears. Yeah. And I said, but the main thing, you bring it. She does. She's another one. I, I, I've got um, experience with her prior to her signing with NXT. Um, we wrestled quite a few times on the independence, and she is, um, in my opinion, she's one of the best. I agree. I, I think she's got a great future. I tell you, I was thinking about the perception of the wrestling business. And, and when I got in the wrestling business in 74, not long after I first got there, we're working for uh, Leroy McGurk and Bill Watts. And your dad will remember those guys. But the M- Moolah's troop came through not too long after that. And there were four of them. I don't think Moolah was in the group. Well, she might have been, but I, I don't think so. Anyway, four of Moolah's girls were booked. For a two-week run, so they made the they made the all the towns are you know they so they made, they worked two weeks, and I found that the talents, the male talents, treated them like crap, to a point to where it was almost embarrassing, because these guys were just brutal, and there was no HR. Mm-hmm. It was a law. It was the land of the jungle, man. That strong survived, and here's the other thing. Here's the deep-rooted issue there: that when the talents were unbooked. They did not get paid. And if you're on contract with the WWE, for example, you're, you're going to get a weekly check. Right. But, you know, we all know that in the, in the independent world, the 1099 world of our tax returns, Santana, that, you know, there ain't, that, that don't happen. Right. It's, a, it's challenging in that respect. But I, I trust that you have learned those 1099 issues. Quarterly taxes are kind of need to be paid. And I, I, I to be honest with you, I learned that the hard way early on. I, I ignored it. I thought it would go away if I didn't pay them. Yeah, it didn't go away, huh? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. It, it, Lesson learned. <laughs> well, here's what I figured out, Santana. You can take this to the bank. JR said, Uncle Sam, don't do no jobs. <laughs> I 
got that. All right, I'll remember that. Michael Sandow. <laughs> Luckily, there there are other things I do aside from from just wrestling that I you know have an income. So what do you do? Um, Tell me. Um, so I went to school for sleep medicine out in Washington University. I am a sleep technologist, and I really I've slowed down a lot with that just because wrestling has consumed my life over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I work. I do sleep studies. I work with patients who have sleep disorders. And wow. Yeah, that kind of stuff. We, would you be interested in flying to Oklahoma and, and treating my sleep apnea? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe next time you're in Orlando. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, yes, that's a, that's a hell of a house call. I have, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I, I've mentioned this to WWE, and I think that they're testing for it now, but way back in the day, I finally got diagnosed or read about sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, I think Steve Austin has it. I think Big Show has it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... That's something that is so easy to discover and diagnose, oh, yeah. right? That's, well, yeah. I mean, just hook you up with some wires and, and, and you go to sleep and we'll know within a couple hours. And I believe when my wife, Jan, God bless her, inadvertently, it came up in a conversation of how I slept to my, my GP. And he said, uh, well, you know, it sounds like he might have sleep apnea. And did I have sleep? I had 99 stoppages of, oh my in, gosh, in, 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 you, a, in an hour. You were severe, severe sleep apnea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew this. I knew that if, if I hadn't discovered that she hadn't discovered that, helped me get the treatment, I'm, I'm dead by now. Mm-hmm. I'm dead by now, and I and I don't I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. And so the sleep apnea, I cringe, Santana, when I read. Well, fill in the blank here. Uh, Joe Blow died peaceably in his sleep last night. Oh my gosh, I do the same thing because, and then I'm, I see, if I see a picture of them, I can look at somebody and kind of, you know, by certain indications, I'm like, oh, they, they probably have sleep apnea. The MLW event is going to be, as we mentioned, December the 7th. Uh, it is the second one. It's called Never Say Never, by the way, folks. Uh, but all the information you need on this show is at MLW.com. It's that simple. And when you, once you get to MLW.com, which is a free site, you can go shopping. You can buy a ticket to the live event. You can, you can figure out how you want to, when you want to watch the video on demand and see this. They're really a good card. You know, I, I talked to Matt about, uh, Matt Riddle about his match with, uh, or about his match with Tom Lawler. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be fun to watch. Definitely. And that's, a, that's the great thing about MLW. They have such an impressive card and it's, just so many different athletes with different backgrounds and different styles, all put under one roof. High flyers, brawlers, super heavyweights. Do you know there's a guy there that weighs just under 500 pounds? Yeah, I saw <laughs> um, He's a and monster. Then, yeah, then the UFC fighters, women's wrestling, of course. And, yeah, it's going to be a great event, and I'm really excited. Um, and um, I'm excited to take on my girl, Laurel. The thing about these shows now that guys like Court Bauer are, are entrepreneurial and spirit enough to uh, create a video stream of this event, it's a television show. It's video, folks, and you can watch it wherever you live uh, about 72 hours after the event. And, again, that data can be ob- obtained how you do it. I think it's going to be four ninety nine. It's very affordable. Yeah, buy yeah. it, download it, stream it yeah. for $4.99. A lot of star power, including John Morrison. I don't know if it's Johnny Morrison or Johnny Impact or Johnny Mundo. Johnny's going to be there, ladies and gentlemen. Shane Strickland versus, and he and Shane against. That's a good team, by the way. Darby, oh, yeah. Darby Allen and, and Jimmy Havoc. My money's on Morrison and, and Strickland, and I'll give the points. <laughs> and uh, then Joey Ryan, this kid, uh, he's wrestling 
He's 21 years old, kind of a preppy-looking kid, MJF. I have no idea what that means, but he was trained by Kurt Hawkins, so he's, he's going to have a good foundation. And Joey Ryan has a very unique gimmick that you will leave that to your imagination. <laughs> yes, quite unique. Yeah, quite unique. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like a court book, uh, Seth Petruzzi. Yes. He got a KO'd Kimbo, right? Exactly, yeah. He's, and he's another UFC guy. He's very talented, just did the crossover to wrestling um, over the last couple of years. I've had the opportunity to train with him in the ring um, over the last year or so. And, yeah, he's great. He's definitely uh, going to be a um, highlight to this event. I like to read the results. I like to know who's going where, traveling where. I'm not so interested in the finishes, quite honestly. I'm not interested at all in the finishes. I'd like to hear how the, well, the match good. Yeah, well, then, good. That's what you want. You want the right, of course. So, and, and matches being good are not determined by who wins and loses, in my view. I agree. For me, it's nice. It's nice to walk away with the win, sure, just so I can come home and, and tell my, you know, my my brothers, my sisters that that I did win. That's but right. um, if I have a good match, that's that's what means the most to me. Well, here's the thing. It's a double-edged sword in my world. I meant what I said that. I'm not as wrapped up in who in the wins and losses as I am the presentation. Mm-hmm. However, I will certainly say, and I'm a big proponent of, that wins and losses on a regularly scheduled television vehicle, like Raw, for example, or SmackDown, does mean something. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself in that, in, that, in that booking quandary of where you're not fish or foul because you win one week and you lose the next, I don't know that helps anybody. Quite honestly, there's no momentum, yay or nay. There's no comeback if you're even Steven. Right. But I like the presentation, and it just sounds like you're staying really busy. Do you have a handful of promoters that you've worked with over the years that you prefer to go with as opposed to brand-new people that you don't know? I mean, yes, I, 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 if, if I go somewhere and they treat me well and they leave a, you know, they make a good impression on me, and I always hope to do the same thing to them. Um, and I think that's why they always call me to, to rebook me. But, um, yeah, I do that, but I'm always open to, to new promotions and, and new bookings and new opportunities. Um, so, I mean, I, I take on new, new promotions. Well, I, uh, I take, I talk to promoters all the time that are new and I find, I generally find out who you work with. I know, and I call them. Mm-hmm. And if they had a good experience and then I'm more apt to say, yeah, I'll do your gig or, uh, I'm going to pass on this one, but thank you. Anyway. Definitely. I do the same thing and, and I, I always get a deposit yeah. <laughs> with new promotions. Smart. I always get a deposit. <laughs> you cats work on the Indies or getting plenty of work. You're making a good payday. Mm-hmm. I bet you Santana that you are making more per show than some nights that the NWA champion had on on the road. I think too that that has come with time because I remember when I first started, I was working for experience and wrestling for experience. And at certain points in the beginning of my wrestling training and career, I I I got paid in pickles because <laughs> the promoter didn't have enough money, didn't make enough money at the gate, so he couldn't pay the talent. So I walked home with a, a big jumbo jar of pickles. Wow. Uh, but it's definitely gotten better. I, I make a little bit more than that now, and I'm very thankful to that. And, you know, it's, it's taken a few years, but it's all worth it. Now you can buy your own pickles. Exactly. <laughs> See, there, there's a, there's a silver lining, ladies and gentlemen, to every story on this program. <laughs> Santana Garrett can now buy her own pickles. That's right. And if she wants to go to Sweet Gherkin or whatever, she got it. 
You know, I got paid hot dogs one night. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I was supposed okay. to get $25, and he didn't, couldn't pay the 25 <laughs> and I got two hot dogs, and he wanted to charge me for a Coke, swear to God. Oh. Yeah, I said, uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll get something on the road, asshole. <laughs> a hot dog. Two hot dogs, and you can't front me a Coke? Right. Okay. Oh, my. We, we know, <laughs> There's some expensive hot dogs. Well, here's the thing about that deal. That's the old part of when we all, all us old guys... Talk about paying your dues, kid. You know, you don't know what it's like. To me, I wouldn't have it any other way. It prepared me for a hell of a career. Without all these experiences, these people helping me in the business, when it could have gone the other way just as easy because the business can be kind of cutthroat at time, from time to oh, time. I get it. Definitely. I've seen it, and I don't like it. But, you know, I had a lot of people helping me, and that, that was wonderful because it prepared me to go from a Leroy McGurk's driver to the EVP of WWE. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good haul. I and mean, that's a journey that you say, well, okay, this is my destination. You know, come mm-hmm. on. I never thought that. I just want to have a job tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right. I want to get booked. Yeah. And I think now, like, there are so, there's so many women, um, female wrestlers or girls that are training. Uh, when I first started, I trained with all guys. There weren't very many, if, if any, girls locally that I could train with, and even at times I had to wrestle guys because there weren't any local girls. Um, but now, I mean, there are, uh, there's such a boom in women's wrestling, especially in Central Florida, Orlando, Tampa area. Um, I do an all-girls class every Monday, and I'm, now I'm at the point where I can give back and give advice and, and help you know the girls that are coming up and just kind of be a role model and a trailblazer for all of them. So I, I, I know it's like not to have somebody there to kind of help you, guide you, and it took me maybe a little bit longer, so I've trying to give it back and, I guess, pay it forward. That's good. That's, I'm proud to hear you say that. I know that we have uh, a lot of women that listen to our program, believe it or not. I think it's my voice, but it may not be. But I, I believe that there are inter- there's interest out there for things like this. I get questions like that all the time on Twitter or on Facebook. And so if somebody would like to inquire about your Monday night classes, how would they go about contacting you? They can contact me directly with my email, which is SantanaGarrettBookings at gmail.com. And then on any of my social media sites, I run pretty much everything. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all at Santana Garrett. I'm kind of excited about this December 7th event. Be here before you know it, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, all you got to do is go to MLW.com and get every question you have on this event answered uh, with somebody that has some sense, not me. So it's good. Good stuff. <laughs> Do you think you'll be the only female match on a card? Yes, we will be. That that don't hurt you. That don't hurt you a bit. No, no. Santana versus Laurel Van S. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a good one. Yeah. It's good to be to have that separation. You know, I was watching the uh, Survivor Series, and you got 10 women in a tag match. Then you got two women in a title champion versus champion match. It's hard to stand out, from my point, I guess. Uh, definitely. And I've been asked um, before, um, is it harder, you know, to do an all-women's match? Or, or what is the difference between doing an all-women's all event versus being the women's match on the event? And it's so much easier being the women's match on the event. Um, you know, I'm still going to give 100, 100%, but it, it, it's much easier to stand out and <laughs> it when we're the only women's match. So and, definitely looking forward to that. And you know what, Santana, that's a shame in a lot of ways because reverse it and look at the men. Nobody says what you just said about the men, all right? It's the women. Mm-hmm. The women get the bad. The women are getting the bad rap here. 
It should, I wouldn't care if I had three women's matches, if it helped sell tickets and help the house, or if they were that good and they could all deliver a product that was distinct and unique to them. And I wonder if there ever will be a day that they will have a women's show. I'm hopeful because that means there will be more spots available for yep. women like me. And, um, you know, <laughs> I joke up, but I'm like, I'm literally right down the road. So I'm like, call me, call me. I'm <laughs> 10 minutes down the road. Um, but I think that, that especially with the boom in women's wrestling, as we were talking about before, um, I, I hope, you know, more opportunity opens up, continues to open up because we do. We've been given many opportunities. And, I mean, we are are shining when we're getting these moments. So I just think it's a matter of time before we do get even more opportunity. Another thing that's good for the women's division, in my view, is the fact that the standard bearer with the women in WWE is Charlotte. And to me, there's no question about that, and nor should there be. She's really, really good. And I was telling somebody the other day, I don't know if she's the best I've ever seen yet, but if she continue, doesn't get hurt, continues to improve her game because she does that. She's, she seems to be hungry to get better. Then she will, she will be the best ever, at least for this generation. But what that means for talents like yourself are talented, have a skill set. As a booker, you want to book your star, Charlotte, against really accomplished, fundamentally sound talents. I don't want her hurt. I don't want her to hurt you. Right. So well, I, that's my, I'm up for it. Yeah. Oh, you can. I'm sure you can. Well, you're, you you have a great attitude in your match. You had a, you had a tough draw with uh, Viper. Mm-hmm. What was her name? What was her? Piper Niven. Piper, um, oh, Piper. Piper yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was she was Viper in the World of Sports show I did for ITV, and that's where I first saw her, and I was impressed as hell out of her. Well, oh yeah. I came back telling people, man, I saw a plus size athlete that was very agile and not afraid to be athletic. And that's exactly what she is. She is a phenomenal competitor and, and she's so good in the ring and, and outside of the ring. She's such a good person. So I, I was honored to you know be able to share the ring with her. I thought that by, as a result of that match, the shine was really on her and you played your role and you did exactly as you needed to do. And, I don't remember anything bad about that contest, but I just remember she looked really good in it, and there's, it takes two to tango, folks, and that kind of deal. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I went in there. You know, that was my goal, and she was the easiest person to work with, and um, we had great chemistry. That was our first time stepping into the ring together, and, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't have asked, you know, I, I could have asked for a better outcome, but as for the match, it, it was great. I, I got so much positive feedback um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, good good presentation by everybody. Mm-hmm. I love the whole concept. Like I'm saying, the, after those two days of interviews, man, I was in. I, you, you guys had me. I was plugged in. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do well. You know, we went back to Stanford, Amy and I, Lita, and we, mm-hmm. we revoiced every one of those matches. All, yeah. yeah, we revoiced them all. So the first round, 16 of them. So we have no excuse. If, if it wasn't good the second go-around, shame on us because we had a we had two passes at it. Well, listen, good. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I hope your you career conti- continues to move vertical. That's you're doing great. You've got a you've got your plan. I I admire the fact that you're training these uh, women that that want to make the commitment to come see you on Monday nights. Check out uh, Santana Santana Garrett Bookings dot at gmail dot com. You got it. Yeah. 
Wow. I, that's amazing. I can retain. That's, that's a mouthful. I can't remember what I had for lunch, and I just remember your, your email. That's a scary thought. All right, honey. Well, listen, thank you so much for uh, visiting with me. Good luck on December the 7th. Steal the show if you can. Don't get hurt. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be on your show. Thank you very much for having me. And best to your father, and uh, happy holidays, hon. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. All right. Uh, enjoyed that with Santana Garrett. She's a lovely woman. You're, and you're an expert on that. Uh, and tease, it says here, tease part two of Jerry Lawler. Is that like teasing your hair? Or, nah, 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 nah. Is that teasing? I don't know. Anyway, the king will make his return tonight to this broadcast uh, with part two of our scintillating conversation. A road trip with Jr. and the king, and you're invited. Now, see, right there's a damn reality show. It's like Larry Flint and Hugh Hefford traveling coast to coast. In a Taurus. Four door, by the way. But anyway, that's going to be a good conversation. Hey, I've still got that theater, that idea live uh, of the reality show for J.R. and the King. Uh, read your, your videos, look at your videos, and we come to your home and we cook for you. So, that'll be good. Thank you for being with us. And uh, here's one of the great sponsors we've had since day one. We're loyal as a good old hound dog. And I'm loyal to them because I believe in them. And that's true car. Because when you're looking to buy a new car, you want to feel comfortable, folks, that you're you're getting a fair price. And some of these car salesmen are slick. They're slick, and they can see when you don't have the information. You're you're in love with a color or a body type, but you're not in love with the economics of the investment. Well, with true car, you can get information that empowers you with getting pricing context that lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you want. How logical is that? It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so that you can feel confident, folks, when you show up at that dealership. You're ready for them. They know what they're getting in with you because you got the information they don't want you to know. And the great thing, too, about True Car is that they do have an amazing network of local certified dealers that are of your choosing. You're not forcing any kind of deal. So when you're ready to buy a new car, or a used car for that matter, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident, less pain-in-the-ass car-buying experience. <laughs> and, well, Gordon, what do you got the rest, right? Indeed, I do. The uh, features are, some features, I, I screwed my lineup. Some features are not available in all states. Uh-uh. Jen, please. Podcast One is your home for the biggest names in pro wrestling. We've got the animal Dave Bautista with Jim Ross on the Ross Report. I don't want to do a one-off. I want to go and I want to wrestle. You know, I want to be a part of the program and I love it. The longest reigning WWE Divas champion Nikki Bella with Lillian Garcia. There's that excitement and when you have a great match, you're like, oh my God. That's how you feel when you have a great dance with someone. Hard-hitting wrestling journalism with Wade Keller. Find out not just what's happening, but also decoding why it's happening and whether it's good for fans and the bottom line. And the unfiltered and un predictable thoughts of Vince Russo. They dictate to us what is considered big time. Get all these podcasts and more exclusively on the new Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. Well, folks, before we get to the conclusion of my chat, you don't get older, you have chats. And you, sometimes you're older than that, you have visits. Well, we visited him last week. <laughs> I uh, didn't have too many visitors in the dungeon. No kidding. 
Uh, but I'm going to talk to Jerry Lawler, Stu, here in a few minutes. Just want to remind you folks that if you hit that subscribe button at Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you. I really do. That way you never miss an episode of our show. You know, that drops every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific time. And as soon as they're released, because you have subscribed for free, they will be downloaded into the device of your choosing, your phone, your tablet, both, whatever you want. So we appreciate you leaving a five-star rating there and a review at Apple Podcasts. And in the uh, marketing world, as crazy as it sounds, those kind of things mean a lot. So if you see your way through to do that, I appreciate it. Again, the it's free to subscribe. It takes you about two minutes, maybe, maybe. It takes me two minutes because my thumbs are crazy on my phone or whatever. Nonetheless, uh, I appreciate that. It's a big help. And thank you. This is the Ross Report. I get asked more questions about, of course, our work is seen as good by a lot of people, which I appreciate. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, yes. But I think the attitude error is more topical than anything. Oh, without a doubt. If you hear this show and you have an opinion on what you'd like to hear, how, our, how we'd format this show that we're going to do, the King and I are going to do, uh, let us know. He's on, I'm at JRSBBQ. He's at Jerry Lawler. Let us know what you think. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that the attitude error has got to be, could very easily be the theme because then it's easy then to research or I know you're going to do a lot of preparation. Of course. <laughs> a lot of reading, <laughs> hours and hours of meditation and preparation. I think it could really be a, a fun thing. It was the hottest period in the history of wrestling. More people watched that television show than any other pro wrestling show ever, before or since. So you'd think that it would have mass appeal to our potential patrons. And I'm thinking so, too. How busy are you going to be? Between, are you going to wrestle during the, during the Christmas holidays? Now, you know, I always try to take the month of December off. That boy. Uh, let's see. What have I got coming up? Well, actually, this, this uh, you know, this, the last of November. I was, at, I was at Survivor Series last Sunday, and <laughs> that, was, uh, that was big, of course. Then, um, and by the way, I want to tell you, you were brilliant. Oh, man. I, I, I can do a kickoff show with your, these. Your timing <laughs> was impeccable. Yes. yes, and uh, those other guys that are on there sometimes, the Sam Roberts and the Rosenbaum guy or whatever they are. Rosenberg. I, I always enjoy working with them. Who? Rosenberg. Peter Rosenberg. Oh, Rosenberg. Berg. <laughs> Rosenberg. Berg. Uh, yeah. No, we have this running thing. He thinks I don't like him because I mispronounce his name every now and then. But, I mean, sometimes those names, I, mean, I have trouble with names. You know, I've always had trouble with names. Yeah. I, I mean, when we were doing, when we were calling... The matches. I'd have to write down the names of the guys that I'm looking at in the ring sometimes because I just have those brain farts or something that go on where I just say, uh, there, uh, 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 say, yeah. uh King, that's uh, Daniel Bryan. Oh, yeah, okay, Daniel Bryan. He's getting a push. But, um, he's getting, anyway, a, so he's we, getting a push, Jerry. You gotta yeah. put, put, we got to put him over. No, we <laughs> right. have to. He, he got himself over. I, but you're right. Yeah, I'll get you. Then uh, WrestleCade. Are you going to be at WrestleCade? Nope. No can do. And make the WrestleCade cut, huh? I couldn't do it because of uh, commitments, which include West Virginia at Oklahoma in the last Big 12 game of the year. Oh, no. You're not going to miss that. I'm not going to. Look, if I needed the money to get to the grocery store, I'd love to come to WrestleCade, but I don't, <laughs> and I ain't. So and I, hope have, well, I, I know it's going to be Magnum T.A. was on the show a week or so ago. He's going to be I was going to say, I do, and I am. <laughs> Well, you know, I just I got that. Uh, I, I want to finish the season out with my team, and they're you know oh, without a doubt we've had a pretty damn good year. 
and have a shot at playing our way into the playoffs. We got to beat West Virginia, and then we'll see where, how everything fits. So uh, it's, it's been fun. It's been a fun year. We got a great quarterback. I think he should win the Heisman. Baker Mayfield's a fun kid to watch. I was on the field pregame with Kevin Dunn and his sons, and Baker was playing wide receiver and catching the ball, just warming up and loosening up. And he saw me over there and ran over and gave me a hug. And everybody thought that was the coolest thing. You know, he's, he's a very down-to-earth average kid. What are you going to do at Russell Cade? Just the sign, I think. And, you know, I think that's all anybody does at those things. Winston, Salem, North Carolina on a mm-hmm. Saturday the 25th. I'm only going to be there the one day. So I'm going to – because the following week is a big week. You know, everybody in my household, Lauren's son, Peyton, he has his birthday on the 24th, which is the day before Russell Cade of November. Then my birthday is the 29th of November, and Lauren's birthday is the 30th of November. Wow. Are you we're, guys, all within, we're all within a week there. Are you guys Scorpios, something that is? No, we're all Sagittarius. Sagittarius. I can't spell that, so it doesn't count. I know. That's a tough one. Uh, so anyway, we're, we're, Lauren and I are going to leave and go to Las Vegas for a few days. Uh-oh. Uh, one of her well, childhood we're... favorites, you know, just like just like we're talking about, you know, you want to go see, the, like the people will want to go see uh, the, somebody from the Attitude Era or talk about for the Attitude Era. Well, Lauren's Attitude Era, as far as music went, was the Backstreet Boys. So the Backstreet Boys are in concert in Las Vegas next week, and naturally, if Mama wants to go, I got to take her. That's so. right. So you're going to go to Vegas? That'll be cool. Hey, I think it'll be a good trip. Where are you going to stay? Uh, we always stay at Planet Hollywood. I have a good friend at Planet Hollywood, and he takes care of us, excellent care of us. And uh, Dave Wingem is a great guy, and he's got some great kids. And, we, you know, it's, we reciprocate whenever he needs to go to the shows, the wrestling shows, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. He's got kids that love it. And so uh, I give him the first class red carpet treatment at wrestling shows and he really takes care of me when we go to las vegas it's awesome that's good you scratch my back i scratch yours sure absolutely and then december rolls around and this is like the most bookings i've ever taken in the month of december on december the first i'm going to be in youngstown ohio and i'm going to be dropping the puck at a hockey game minor league hockey game in youngstown ohio do you ever worry about slipping on the ice and breaking the hip (laughs) no because they put a carpet out there for me to walk on Oh, is it red or blue? It's usually red, yes. Right. Or either royal blue, one of the two. Exactly. I knew. Then the very next night, I'm wrestling up in where I used to live a long time ago, Gallatin, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. And they got me a real nice, I uh, got Lauren and I a real nice room at the Opryland Hotel, which we're going to stay over and stay an extra day at because at Christmas time, Opryland Hotel is unbelievable. They just have it, you know, during the month of December. They have it. I just saw an ad for it today, over 3 million lights. Uh, and at, at Opryland Hotel, and it's just you know, done up for Christmas, so unbelievable. So we're going to enjoy that for a day. Then Doug Gilbert somehow has got me wrestling in Brownsville, Tennessee, on the 8th. And then that's my last booking for the month of December. Are most of those car trips? Well, the the Gallatin, Tennessee is because this is national. Youngstown, Ohio, i got to fly oh, yeah, 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 yeah. in that Akron. Then January the 5th, they got me in Reading, Pennsylvania for a uh, another hockey game, and January's kind of January's kind of slammed, booked up, back on the road. Well, once you get your website back up and running like you want it, folks can check that out. But until then, just follow the King on Twitter, at Jerry Lawler. Hey, uh, did you see the Flair 30 for 30? I did see that. I did. I'm surprised you watched it. But uh, Why? 
Well, you just well, you're not a wrestling guy. I mean, you you you're a wrestling. Well, guy. you know what? But you know what? I'm I'm a Ric Flair guy, as yeah. we all are. You know, yeah, I'm absolutely. a Ric Flair guy. And and Rick's fiance, Wendy, and Lauren are are really good friends. They invited us down for the premiere that they had in Atlanta. We I didn't get to go because I had a booking as usual. Sure. But but yeah, they're they're good friends, and so what'd you think uh, about it? it I mean, it was beautifully done, if they, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. I was not crazy about all the animation, and me being an art guy, I probably should have been, but I guess I just didn't. I didn't like that much animation. I, I would have preferred the real deal a little more. But I don't know. To me, it just didn't make Rick come off as as a as a nice guy. Oh. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I really like Rick, and I think Rick is a nice guy. But I think it showed more of the Ric Flair persona than it did the real Ric Flair that you and I know and that the, that the people behind the scenes know. But I, I think that what happened was, in dealing with Rick, Rick probably, you know how we know that anytime Rick's around media people, he's on. Yeah. He's, you know, he's the nature boy. Mm -hmm. And so I'll bet he never really dropped that facade all while he was dealing with these people. Well, I guess he did a little bit because, you know, you saw some of the times where he was very emotional, crying and everything. But I just thought that it, 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 I don't know. I just didn't think it did. I mean, it, it, of course, it made him look like the biggest star ever in wrestling. But somehow I just didn't come away from that thinking that Rick's a nice guy. And I, I do think Rick's a nice guy. You know, you and I both do, but absolutely. Well, here I, I, just, I watched. It, to me, it was almost like the wrestler movie. Yeah, there's parts of it that had the Mickey Rourke feel. You know, it's uh, it, we've had an interesting journeys, and I'm glad that we got to do part of it together, and we still got some, got a few more miles to go. I'm thinking. And uh, do you have any favorite broadcasting <laughs> moment? Uh, like a wrestle, is there a WrestleMania that we did that sticks out to you in any shape, form, or fashion in particular? I have a couple of them that I really like and I have a few matches I like. I don't know if they match up with yours. I thought WrestleMania twenty three with Trump and Vince. Oh gosh. And that was that was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was our, our Hall of Fame weekend. Yeah. That was a that was a great, great weekend. A great uh WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite WrestleMania matches that I remember calling was and I don't re maybe it was eighteen in Toronto. Yeah, Rock and Hogan. Uh Rock and Hogan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. I don't believe when I told this Chris Jericho that I you and I are about as, I was anyway, I can't speak for you, but I, I, I think I remember both of us being surprised that they were booing the rock and they're che yes. cheering the hell out of Hogan. And we had, and, and that was, that was not the way it was supposed to be. No, no. And look, they could have done a few things to maybe, you know, maybe slow it down, but those people were, they would love to see Hogan. He was at WrestleMania. They were there to see it. It was history and heritage and all that legacy crap. It's all good stuff. So, and you know what? And I think all the guys in creative never dreamed no. that that was going to happen. And that's what that's what I think it, it happens today. They 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 forget about they forget about the value of the past. And 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 I think that's what happened there. They never dreamed for one minute that Hulk Hogan would be favored over The Rock, who was a hot current superstar at the time. And as you said, The Rock and Hogan. They could have, they could have just, you know, said, "Hey, look, this is what they want. Let's get, let's, let's, uh, you know, this is what creative wants, and let's just continue on here." But where I just gained immense amount of respect for The Rock was he went with his gut feeling and what was obvious of what the fans wanted, and you know, right there in that match, they wanted Hulk Hogan to be the, 
the the favorite, and so Rock made sure that they got what they wanted, and that was something that not a lot of people would have done. Most guys would have just stuck with the game plan, and 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 it, the match wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been nearly as good as it was in the eyes of the fans. And that's that that's why I love that match so much because it just changed course right right midstream, you know. I, and I like the challenge that we changed course with it. Yes. And they started playing different music, and we just started. We wrote different lyrics. That's all. Yep. Just, yep. You got a feel, feel thing. That was cool. People ask this all the time. It wasn't a WrestleMania that you and King know that uh, Foley's gonna get tossed off the cell. I said, No, hell no, <laughs> absolutely nope. not. I actually thought Foley was on top of the cell. And by the way, 2018 will mark the 20th anniversary of that event. 20 wow. years, Jerry. 20 years. Well, 25 years. I was there right from the beginning of Monday Night Raw. 25 years of that coming up. Yes, sir. I think somebody told me, Glenn, or somebody, the guy that does my podcast research or something, and this is quite an honor, I've been on more Raws, than more Monday Night Raws than anybody. Yeah. Anybody, even including Vince. Well, yeah, because Vince jumped off. We did that three-man booth for a while. You know, that's the only three-man booth I've ever really truly liked. That oh, I, yeah, with I Vince? Went, yeah. Oh, God, that you, was fun. You, the three of us. Was so much fun, and yeah. and he got to loosen up and got away from all the minutia of being the chairman, and yeah. all, all the babysitting and all that stuff. So uh, it was uh, we had a lot of fun there, and I I enjoyed it, uh, that three man team a lot. But yeah, you you got the you got to have the record. I have no idea how long Cole's going to go, or you know I got to think at some point in time he's going to want to slow down a, a little bit. I, I hope that's not anytime soon. He does a good job. And and one of and one of the one of the differences back to the the time you're talking about when it was so fun to be doing commentary with Vince out there with you. And I always enjoyed then later on when, when he would come out and be a part of the show and sit down outside for a match because he wouldn't be on the headset and in your ear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Say it, God damn it, Jerry, say it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he told me one one night he, he was only well, hit hard about saying something, and I, and I didn't say it. And he, oh, al- you can almost feel like his his veins are popping, like you know, on his neck. Then he gets back on the uh, headset, right? And he says, "All right, Jr., it's only me and you now." <laughs> did you hear me tell you to say it? Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad you did because it was bad information. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, that was one of the things that you remember the famous story about about those damn production meetings. Uh, and and I've always hated a production meeting. You know, I'm, I was always a last-minute last kind of guy. I like to show up and walk out and do the show. And, and, and I, you were always so great at being prepared. And knowing all the all the detailed stuff that needed to be done, I just could just literally walk out and do the show sight unseen. I didn't have to have a clue what was going to happen, and I didn't even need a. I didn't. I, what did I use my format for? Cartoons, doodling. <laughs> and some I've it seen was cartoons. A, it was a drawing pad for me. Drawing I pad. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I didn't like the production meetings, and you you would suffer through them, and I and I even got the impression that you liked them. Uh, oh. and especially, you know, we would have to go in and meet with Vince before the shows and you'd have a production meeting early in the day, 11 o'clock in the morning, and then sit around and then go to another one later. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And, uh, they, I don't know. I don't think it was me and you. I think it was maybe, maybe Michael Cole by then, um, where they were going to do this thing. It was going to be like a, 
uh, magic trick, you know, uh, this levitation gimmick with the Undertaker and Midian, one of his acolytes or whatever he was going, whatever they call those people. <laughs> yeah, remember they he was going to have they was going to levitate. I was there. Okay, and so they brought in this big long arm that I had never seen one before. But this is the way that magicians levitate people: is this long, strong metal arm that's that's. It's it, it, it goes backstage and it comes out straight towards the audience. Of course, it's black and the back and all the curtains are black, so you can't even see this thing. But then, the, then the person is laying flat on this on this like a, a piece of metal that's attached to this long rod, and at the right time, backstage, some machine causes that thing to lift up, and and here they go up and uh, up in the air, and it just you know it's a great looking uh, effect. For magicians and everything, so they brought, they found some magician, they brought this thing in to use, and they told us early in the production thing that, you know, of course we're, we're out at ringside, and that's up on the stage is where this is going to take place, kind of far away from us. But anyway, Undertaker was going to levitate one of his, one of his minions or whatever they were. So, <laughs> being, I swear I think it was cold. And you may have been, it may have been when we were doing a three man booth yeah. or something. We're sitting out there and here comes the undertaker and he lays Minion down on this slab there and everything. And, and so he starts doing this and moving his arms over the top of him and all these incantations and stuff. And so he's doing all this thing. The lights are flickering and everything. And we're saying, what is he doing? What is he doing? And Michael Cole says, Oh my God, King, look at that. He's rising up in the air. He's <laughs> levitating Minion. And I was squinting with my eyes. I couldn't see all that well, but it didn't look like he was rising up in the air, so I didn't really say anything, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, Vince comes on and says, You dumb son of a bitch. He's not, he's not levitating. That thing broke. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this was live TV, live, right? Yes, sir, baby. Live television, man. <laughs> and so then that was my excuse. After that, I went to Vince and I said, I said, Vince, I don't want to know what's going to happen. My reactions are so much... Yeah. Amen. Better and more honest. If it, if, I, if I'm as surprised as the audience is, I want my reaction to be real. And he said, "King, you're 100% right. You don't need to. You shouldn't be in these production meetings. You should, everything that you, every, you should be seeing this stuff for the first time, just like the fan." Yep. And so that was the most. That was the greatest. Uh, thing that ever happened to me that I didn't have to go to the production meetings anymore after that. So I went for years of getting to show up a little later and sleep in and all that sort of stuff before the show. We did that. uh, I stopped going to them too. Toward the end of our run, uh, I think in 2008, I got put to SmackDown. So before that, I stopped going to a lot of them. I told Vince, I said, I just, I can't start my day at 10 in the morning and be at my best 12 hours later. Right. He said, same thing. Don't come to the production meeting. Trust your instincts, as he did yours. So, you know, don't you believe that we had an advantage that we came through a territory system where you had to keep products fresh. You had to get everybody had to, you had to get everybody over to some degree somehow, unless they're just an enhancement guy passing through town. But I think that whole education and that process of getting talent over and, and being a storyteller, for me verbally, for you both, was really important. I, I think we had that advantage where anybody else is ever going to come along because there's no more territories. Yeah. I don't know if it was the at the time they were called dirt sheets. Now, of course, it's just, you know, wrestling sites and all of that sort of stuff. But I know that the, the Japanese wrestling uh, all of a sudden got on the map thanks to social media after social media was a big deal. 
right. and and that sort of thing. And guys like Dave Meltzer and 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 different guys really started putting over the Japanese wrestling because they enjoyed they enjoyed the and then uh, hey, there's people out there that are like that, but I still think the majority are not like that. But they enjoyed watching the moves, the different moves, more than they enjoyed getting invested into the stories hmm. and the storylines. And so that, I think, those guys convinced a lot of the fans, especially the online fans, that the, that the best thing about wrestling was the moves. And I think that that's, that's the main thing that's happened in, in the world of wrestling is that they've gone, to, they've gone more to valuing the moves which is, I mean, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I mean, you got a, you got a entire roster there in the WWE that every single person on that roster can do every one of those moves. So it's really there's, you know, it's not anything unique about them anymore. And maybe there was at one time, uh, a, you know, a triple moon salt or a 450 splash or anything was unique. But now they've seen it, and everybody can do that that stuff. But that still has become the moves in a match have become more important than the storyline. Yeah. That, and I think that's, that's something that we never, we would never let that happen. You know, in the territory days, you, you know, you had to keep the people invested in, in the characters and uh, the personalities and, and what they're, yeah. you know, where you could live vicariously through them or, or suffer through them or whatever, you know, but now you see matches that are just uh, a bunch of choreographed moves that, that couldn't happen in real life if it were a real match for, you know, in a million years. I think uh, uh, what we had to do was, was get those storylines over Jerry, because we want to sell our fans a ticket every seven days, right? Every seven days we ask you to reinvest and we had to give you ample reason to reinvest. And a lot of that was going to be what you saw tonight. We got you here tonight, but can we get you back next Monday night? And so that was always a process, and we everything had to be in place. And you guys did probably as good as that as anybody. With all the your cards would be deep. You had interesting stipulation use. We ran the Mid South Coliseum that would seat eleven thousand people in a sellout, and we ran it every single Monday night for over twenty years. And at the end of our run there, once we sold the company, we looked back and we averaged a little over eight thousand people every single week. Uh, for average, for a 20 year average in a little city the size of Memphis, uh, you know, and that was the, you know, that was the biggest thing going was the wrestling there. And that was a 20 year run every, you know, same city every single Monday night live event. You know, I, I thought about this before. It's like I go to a few Thunder games. I got friends that have tickets and they'll, you know, hit me up. You know, you in town, you want to go type deal. But back in the day when the territories, Oklahoma City was a key market for this territory. It would have been hard pressed to get any attention with the Thunder in town. But the point being is that in a lot of those nice markets, long before the Predators came to town, long before the Tennessee Titans came to town, the big thing every week was wrestling. Yeah, especially in Memphis. I mean, you know, we had no sport, no professional sports teams here until the Grizzlies came along. And uh, so you're right. The wrestling in Memphis was the big deal as far as sports went. I mean, sports entertainment or whatever, you know, it was the, it was all about wrestling here. Are you going to, uh, renew your, uh, involvement with the Grizzlies as you have in the last few years? Well, I hope to, uh, I, as I'm, well, as a matter of fact, I'm sure I will. We have a wrestling night. Where's, where's my book? I didn't get out of my 2018 book. They, they, you know, once a year they have a wrestling night at the Grizzlies where they'll bring in some, uh, we've, we've had actually matches, 
Uh, it, it started out as just having, you know, having me there, and I would come out and uh, hit. Maybe they would be interviewing somebody, and all of a sudden they'd have a, a fan come up that had a like an Oklahoma City Thunder jersey on, and he'd start get on the microphone in front of everybody at a at, at, during a, a timeout, and he'd start knocking the Grizzlies, and all of a sudden my music would play, and out I'd come, and I'd either pick the guy up and pile drive him, or hit him over the head with a metal folding chair, <laughs> and and get the big pop out of the crowd. Of course. But then this is back when um, what was the commissioner's name? It was Stern, Davis Stern, or something. Yeah, yeah. He actually, he actually sent a memo to the Memphis Grizzlies saying, "Man, please lighten up with the wrestler. <laughs> you know that that's a little too violent for our uh, for our our, our uh, basketball fans." So we went to actually. Then we started just having they set a ring up near the top of the FedEx Forum, and at and at halftime we'd actually have a match, uh, uh, a couple of matches there in the in the FedEx Forum on wrestling night. And so we, you know, they the next. The next wrestling night is Friday, January the 5th, wow. and they're giving away, to the first 3,000 fans, they're giving away a King Jerry Lawler crown. Ooh, kids. Ooh. Kids. And I'm, I'm not talking like a Burger King crown. I mean, last year they gave away these, these well, no, last year they gave away wrestling masks that were real cool, looked like the like a Lucha Libre mask that uh, had Grizzlies on the side of it. year before that, they gave away these championship belts. And these things were, they gave away 3,000 championship belts. And these things were like metal and leather belts. They were unbelievably nice. They, they, they told me later these things for a giveaway night, these championship belts wound up costing them about $45 a piece. Wow. Yeah, which is, which is cheap. I mean, you know, when you think about a, a wrestling belt, but it's real high to, for a giveaway on a, on, a, on a night, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice item. High priced item. Well, I know people like that deal. It always gets good coverage. Social media picks up on it. But on the night before that, on Thursday, January the fourth, I'm going to be making an appearance at the Grizz. They have a now they have a thing called the G League. Are you familiar with that? No. It's like a, it's like the NXT for for the uh, NBA. NBA. Yeah. It's a D League. Uh, so it's it's it, they called it the D League, right? Yeah, I think so. You've heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, because of their new sponsor, which is Gatorade, ah. they've changed the name to the G League. I love that marketing. That's smart. yep, that's smart. So anyway, the the Grizz have a uh, they have a, a game they play down at the Lander Center in South Haven, Mississippi, uh, and so their their G League team. I'm going to be down there on Thursday the fourth, uh, making an appearance there, and then of course they're having wrestling night on the fifth at uh, FedEx Forum. So you're booked again. There you go. Oh, I'm booked. I'm booked. And I'm wrestling Matt Riviera over, and you know Matt Riviera, the dreaded Matt Riviera. Yes. He was on that TV show, Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire, and uh, <laughs> he, he's he's a millionaire. I guess his I don't know if his dad or somebody left him a fortune, or he he's got some kind of really big business. But he's a millionaire, and so he got into uh, wrestling business and promoting shows and everything. And I said, you're going to quickly become a thousandaire. Yes. <laughs> Not careful. But anyway, he's, uh, we've got a show. I'm going to be wrestling him at little rock on the 13th of January. And then another hockey game, uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, the Reading Royals got a, going to be at a hockey game up there the first week in January. And then, uh, Geneva, Illinois, the Chicago steel hockey game on the 20th of, uh, of January. And then of course, the 22nd. 22nd is the Raw 25th anniversary. Hopefully we'll be there. Yes, sir. I'm planning on And then Royal Rumble, January 28th, Royal Rumble. I think I'm going to be at that as well. 
Well, there you go. You're busy, man. I'm busy. You are. I'm busy. You're a busy and a fruit merchant. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, I really hope that folks will check your place out. you got two places in Memphis. Remember that, folks. The one on Bill Street, uh, I have seen pictures. I haven't visited yet. Uh, we need to have a, a book signing there at some book point. Signing. Yeah, book signing. Book signing. Uh, well, that's at 159 Beale Street. 159 yep. Beale Street. King's there time to time, more often than not. Catch him there. But uh, try the food and the nightlife. The nightlife. I love the menu, except that hairy man at the bottom of the page. <laughs> Yeah, but the nightlife is what Bill Street is all about. It is. Yeah. I mean, you come down there sometimes it'll be it'll be fifty thousand people on that street. It's crazy. Well, it's- and then of course, like you got, I got BB King's uh, on the one corner. You got you got Jerry the King Lawler's club right next to him. You got uh, Silky Sullivan's club. Jerry Lee Lewis has a club on Bill Street. And guess what? They're uh, starting in just a couple months. They're opening up a Wahlburgers. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, Mark, Mark Wahlberg has got a place there on Beale Street, so uh, we're going to have a lot of lot of celebs down there now. Yeah, that's a good deal. Well, check it out, folks. It's going to be good. Oh, I hope that we get to do something at the 25th Raw anniversary. I do, too. Thing. That would be fun. And I'm looking forward to when uh, the people that are working on this uh, routing, I, I want to try to get them to interface you closely so that we don't get some offers on dates you're already booked. And but quite honestly, <laughs> right. too, I, I don't. I'm lazy. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to work every week. You know, to be honest with you, I want to work maybe twice a month, three times. Okay, three. There times. you go. We both have always love this time of the year. That I love. The, hey, I I'm not the level of Christmas fan that you are, but I am a Christmas fan. Well, you know, you and I always love this time of year too because we're such big football fans. You, of course, Oklahoma and college football. I was always, uh, you know, NFL and the Cleveland Browns football. Yeah. But you know, Jr. It is so sad. I'm just so. Dis and dis, I don't know. I don't even know what the disillusioned or whatever with my Cleveland Browns. I may have finally given up hope. I mean, this is the first year that I haven't been to a game in Cleveland or or, or, or to an away game or anything that that I can remember. But they're just so bad, and it just doesn't seem to be any upside. You know, I mean, I'm just missing baseball so bad because like I don't even. I don't even care to watch on Sundays. I already know, already know what's going to happen, you know. So, uh, the, the, my Browns are just saying. But you know, I did hear. Uh, I did hear that you're always looking for something that you can cling to, some yep. little little bright spot or some piece of hope. You know, of course, the the owner of the team is Jimmy Haslam. He's from Tennessee, and I heard that somebody was in Cleveland last week talking to Jimmy Haslam. And what they need to do is clean house. They need to get rid of, especially the whole front office. The the general, they, well, they got a director of football operations, not a general manager, but they need to get rid of him. Sashi Brown is this guy's name, and they need to clear out all of that. And the guy that was in town in Cleveland last week was Peyton Manning. I had heard that rumor. Yeah, it's not a rumor. He was there talking to somebody. So I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that That's that man. they would. Yeah. Make an announcement that hey, here's the guy we're going to put in charge. You know, like in 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 Baltimore, uh, when they did so well when they left Cleveland, they put Ozzie Newsom in charge of almost everything. And this guy was such a brilliant football mind behind the scenes and a great player and everything. And as, you know, he was in charge of drafting, and it was just they they just did so well. Next thing you know, they're winning the Super Bowl. I think the same thing could happen with any team. And 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 you know, if it turns out to be Cleveland, that all the better. But you know, I think Peyton Manning could be a guy that could 
to put together and know what a team needs and and know how to how to be the front man for a, a successful team. He's going to want ownership, some ownership, right? And I and if yep. I was Haslam, he'd damn sure get it. I agree, one hundred percent. But here's the deal, man: if you want him to cook supper, you got to him buy the groceries. Right. And who stays is who he says stays, and who goes is who he says goes. And there's no uh, circling the wagon back around to Haslam saying, you know, I don't want to move. I just bought a new house here. The thing that I've been sort of pleased with about Jimmy Haslam is he's not like, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, he's not like a Jerry Jones where he tries to run everything just because he's the owner. Uh, Haslam has not done that. He, You know, he's hired guys, and he's given them full control, but just unfortunately – the guys that he's hired and given the full control to haven't gotten the job done. They just, you know, they've, I don't know if it's just been bad luck or just they didn't know what they were doing to begin with, but you know, we're right now the only, still the only winless team in the whole NFL. And that's embarrassing. Well, Jerry, it's obvious, at least it should be obvious to, at least it is to me, maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but it seems to be obvious that there is a definitely a malfunction at the junction here. There's something that's not working internally in that front office uh, conglomerate because they're, right. not, they're not producing any positive results. You know, I heard a statistic the other day that's so embarrassing that Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has won more games in Cleveland Stadium than any Cleveland quarterback in the last 15 years. God mighty. That's something. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Here's the thing I look at, and I maybe I'm not you about the the love of the, you know, your passion for that team. I follow them. My neighbor Guido, he's a Cleveland guy. Uh, him and Jan used to have these wonderful discussions about because she's a Steelers fan, you know. And sure. So yeah. uh, that was always fun. Back in the day, there was a rivalry. Now it just hadn't even become. Yeah. Now it's just a joke. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that deal. But when that thing does happen, and it will happen, if they get the right kind of owner, or not owner, but uh, uh, front office guy. Because you know Peyton Manning would attract successful people to want to come to Cleveland. Yes, exactly. And he's had all this experience in Indianapolis, in that front office, Super Bowl winner. He went to Denver, that front office, Super Bowl winner. You know that some of those guys are going to say, boy, I'd love to work for Peyton. He's a good dude. You got There's something to be said for that deal. I hope that happens, my gosh. I really do. Yeah, I really do, too. It makes an interesting story in the NFL. Let me tell you something. The bookers in the NFL, Jerry, better get their shit together and sharpen their pencils because the popularity of the National Football League, just like you mentioned, because your team's not doing well and they haven't done well for a while, you're tired of getting beat up. I get it. I don't have a team. Well, I still kind of follow the Steelers because – of Jan, but I, I, I don't live and die like she did, but I'm a fan. If I could at least have, I have something to watch on Sunday that I can get a, have a dog in the hunt. Right. But you know, man, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I think the, uh, the whole damn things, the, the NFL is going to have to be rebooked a little bit and put and and get a shine on some new stars or some new teams or some new coaches. That's why I think it's not impossible to say that John Gruden won't be ushered back into Tampa Bay. Yep, I, I I think that's possibly. Well, the guy that's there now ain't going to be there. He's not going to if he finishes the year. That'd be surprising to me. Dirk Cutter, and then I saw somebody that they said he was a gamble. Why would you gamble five million in your and your team to somebody right. you didn't have total confidence in? And I don't know. If he, I, I think he was a good coach at one point in time. Probably still is. He just might not be the right fit for that that place. 
And you're talking about football in general, NFL in general, needed to take a hard look at themselves. What about this uh, this Goodell wanting $50 million a year? Yeah. $50 million up from $40 million and a private jet at his disposal to use for the rest of his life. Right. God. You think they couldn't find a guy that would do that? be happy to do that job for $4 million a year? Well, it's insanity. It's irresponsible. And I think, he, I think he's doing a lousy job. You may be right, and I, you're, I respect your opinion. I'm not a big fan of him, yay or nay, but I know this. To me, the league in general is being irresponsible as hell for paying any one person $44 million a year, which is more than any player in the National Football League, maybe by twice as much or close to it. Right. It makes no sense. It is a bad deal. It's a bad deal, NFL. You're spending money unnecessarily. Well, the president of uh, Chrysler gets this, and hey, who's saying they're right? Some of those sandwiches are getting are having to reorganize. So, but what it's going to take to get rid of that and change that is you're going to have to get all the owners to agree, and we know how that goes. Well, that's like the that's like the asking the boys to go against the existing Booker, right? And they said, well, but what if you don't leave? I'm screwed. Yep. You know, exactly, because we all know that the most powerful weapon in all of wrestling is the eraser. I remember back when they got all of the promoters together in Chicago with, uh, what was the guy that owned the Chicago White Sox? Eddie Einhorn. Eddie Einhorn got all the wrestling promoters, Jerry Jarrett, me. Uh, oh, my gosh. I think maybe Watts was there and, and of course, the Vern Gagne and all of these guys. And he was going to get them to all agree to, to form this big united front to be able to fight against Vince and the WWE because it looked like they were going to come in and take over the world, which eventually happened. And I knew it was going to happen that day when he, he got all these guys together in this hotel and they couldn't even agree on what to order for lunch, much less agree to, uh, you know, I knew this is futile. This is, a, this ain't, this ain't ever going to work. These, you ain't going to get this many guys to all get on the same page because they're all looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. They're all got their own, their own personal interest instead of looking at the overall good for everybody they're just thinking about what's only going to be good for me and you know and so it didn't ever happen and i think that's that's the situation and with the owners and and roger goodell yeah Yeah. i think jerry jones would love to see him gone oh yeah obviously and then of course they're saying to jerry jones well you're just boo-boo face because of the uh suspension of ezekiel elliott uh, right. That whole legal system is they drug that thing out. It made a joke of the suspension, the four game suspension. Uh, that's a long, four, the first four games a long time ago. Then I heard uh, Troy Aikman or somebody say, well, maybe the Cowboys are looking back at this thing and wish they had let him set out those first, I guess the six games or four games, whatever it was, because they were three and three in the first six games. They, yep. he, fi- he figures they could probably still be three and three without Ezekiel playing those teams. But, uh, in any yep. event, uh, they got, they got to rebook that thing a little bit and, Improve their image. Well, I hope the Browns, back to our original topic, get back on their, get rolling. Uh, it'd be good for the league. It's a new kid in town. Somebody's got to get hot there. And, uh, and here's the deal with those guys. It's the same deal. It's, a, it's almost like a work. If you don't have a quarterback, you ain't going to get over. No, no. End of story. And how bad they've been, uh, the, you know, the front office on drafting. I mean, you know, you had the number one draft pick last year and you're still winless. Uh, you think you know, the number one draft pick like the past two years in a row, or at least there, you know, every year you're right at the top with the draft picks, and they're still winless. Yeah. After nine games. Frustrating. Jeez. So if you uh, if you 
I'm not going to say you're going to do it because I don't think you will. But if you were to bolt the Browns, where are you going to migrate to? Are you going to take a sabbatical or are you going to jump on somebody else? Nah, I'll never bolt. I think so. <laughs> I'll never bolt. Yeah, I hear you. You shouldn't, by gosh. But I got a, I got a close friend, you know, Ron Fittis here in Memphis. And it seems like every single week, whoever at the end of the game, it's whoever texts each other first, you know. And every week it's the same text. Well, there's another three hours of my life wasted. Can't get that one back. No, and that's what, you know, that's just the, when you've gone just this season alone, nine straight Sundays where at the end of the three hours you just realized I just wasted three hours of my life. Like you said, I'll never get back. Never and back. What am I doing? Hey, do you talk about uh, on your podcast, tell, tell us real quickly about your podcast and where they can hear it, but to, when does the show drop? And uh, I know you do kind of th- sometimes you do theme shows but tell us about that process and how do you like well, doing the, it? Well, the, the podcast, and you know, Jr. I mean, and, and it's no secret, I'm, you've asked me a million times, not a million, but you've asked me before to be on your podcast, and I just was, ne- I was never a big podcast fan. I've never listened to a podcast in my life, not even my own. I've never listened to a podcast. And so, uh, and I got sort of kind of, I don't know, turned off a little bit on them by the, the first podcast I agreed to do, and then, and I was, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. Stone Cold Steve Austin called me up and said, King, would you do my podcast? So I said, oh my gosh, sure. Cause I just thought that was an honor to be on Stone Cold's podcast. And so, you know, he calls me up on the phone and the next thing I know, we're, we're talking and talking and talking and talking. And I'm telling the same old stories that I've told a million times, uh, that I've heard a million times because I've told them a million times. So, and, and next thing you know, it's three hours later and Steve says, now, we're going to divide this up into two, maybe even three podcast episodes. And I said, oh, that's cool. But then when I got off the phone, I just thought, oh, my gosh. And my voice was gone like it's going now and everything. And I'm thinking, that was really no fun at all. And so I just haven't done podcasts. But I, I and once again, being a mark for Cleveland sports, uh, I have a friend of mine that uh, was, a, was a pitcher, all-star pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, Chris Perez. And, and, uh, Chris calls me up one day and he says, Hey, I've started a podcast company and I've got some friends. He said, I, I, you know, I know a bunch of different athletes from major league baseball and other sports and everything. And I'm going to, I've started this company called podavenue.com and, and, or pod Avenue is the, is the, is this company. And he said, I'm going to get some of my friends to do podcasts, Nick Swisher and different guys that, that he knew real well. And he said, I would love it if you, if you would do one. And he said, we'll make it so simple, and it should be a good, a good moneymaker. We're going to get sponsors and all of this kind of stuff. And he made it sound so attractive. And the fact that he was a Cleveland Indians pitcher, um, you know, he talked me into doing this podcast. And we're like 32 or 33 episodes into the thing now, and it's made me dread Tuesdays. <laughs> really? Uh, I, I just hate to think that Tuesday is coming around because every Tuesday morning is when we, we record the podcast. And I don't know, you know, sometimes I'll get caught up just like you and I have been doing now. I've really enjoyed this and enjoy talking with you and everything. But one of the things I told Chris in the beginning, um, and the podcast is called Dinner with the King. And we do it from, or make it sound like we're doing it from my restaurant, my barbecue restaurant. You know, we start out by looking at what's on the menu. And, and the, my co-host is a kid named uh, Glenn Moore. He's from 
Cleveland, and, and he was in Cleveland sports. Uh, he was with the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper up there, and he's been involved in Cleveland sports, so I've known him for a long time. And, and so we just, you know, he's my co-host. And we just talk. I told him at the beginning, I said, look, you know, I did, I also, I did Chris Jericho's podcast was the only other one that I've done. And Chris Jericho came all the way here to my house and sat down at the table I'm sitting at right now with me. And we spent three hours on his podcast and he traveled all the way down here to do it. And and so I told the guys at the beginning, I said, Chris and Glenn, I'm not going to call up and pester my friends because I know how it is when they when people call me and want me to be on a podcast. I'm thinking, oh, God, I hate to tell him no, but I really don't want to do it and everything. So I said, I'm not going to do that with my friends. I'm not going to call anybody. If you want me to just sit and tell boring stories every week for an hour, I'll do it. But, I'm your uh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm your man. So that's basically what, what we wound up doing. But, I, you know, one way or the other, then Glenn has gone out and, and, and gotten several people, just a few, though. But, like, Bret Hart was on uh, – was on with me one day, and and Jim Cornette, who you know is probably the best podcast guest anywhere. Awesome, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And then I had I had uh, I had Cornette and Austin Idol on the same podcast because we were promoting a match that we were going to have over in Jonesboro, Arkansas. So it was like a double double whammy there. But you know, as far as going out and, mm-hmm. and asking for guests, I really don't do that much. But I just I just talk and reminisce and we do a lot of things that, like you talk you and i talked about doing on our show we have a lot of answer a lot of questions we have people can text or or there you go. call in questions for social, the show every week so, social media baby yeah man we do uh, we uh, do a lot of that stuff come up right there you know uh i do a, a version of the cornet voice on the show and i always do that i used to do that same routine I, and i've done it my stage show you know where he's you know i was little that's i was jerry lawler and then call C, and then Kenny, that fat bastard, was Jackie Fargo. And I was <laughs> you almost sound more like Kenny Bolin than you do Tim Cornette. <laughs> I don't know. Because they were, they were a combination of each other, weren't they? They were. It was funny. And uh, But they had this, these backyard wrestling matches, right? Kenny Bolin and, and, and Corny. Then Kenny would get his nose bloody or something, and Corny's mom would be scolding for playing too rough or whatever. Because then Kenny, so you son of a bitch. <laughs> And I had Kenny Bolin on uh, as one of my guests. When that was like the the lowest amount of uh, downloads. That we had. Oh God! Don't look, Kenny I, is a legend in his own mind. He loves to. Yeah, he will blow you up on Twitter just hoping that you'll retweet his stuff. You know, just he's crazy. He's got a lot of free time. Yeah, absolutely. He's, and he's still a fan, so you know, works and, out. So. And now apparently, he and Cornette have actually had a for real falling out. Oh really? That's a, hey, yeah. got a scoop here. Yeah. Over podcast, as a matter of fact. Really? Huh. Yeah, that has caused that friendship to disintegrate. Well, they'll have a they'll have a happy reconciliation someday. Well, uh, I am uh, I've enjoyed shooting a breeze with you, buddy, and uh, I hope that we can do something uh, together in 2018. I think we'd have a lot of fun, and I think our audience would have a blast. It's just to be so simple without overthinking the process. Engage the audience early. And often, yep. Let them direct you the direction they want you. They want us to go because I can promise you they can't ask any questions that we can't address. All right, man. Well, listen. Uh, I'm I'm hungry for some barbecue. I'm going to come to Memphis. Maybe after the uh, first of the year, I got no damn time to come to. I'd like to figure that out, though, boy. I know. I like. To, okay, let me let me work on that project, and uh, I know I'm going to see you sooner than later, and uh, that I look forward to as well. So thanks for joining me, and uh, happy barbecuing, buddy. All right, JR. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. The Ross Report. The Ross Report.
Big thanks again to Jerry, the King Lawler, for joining me uh, on the show. Well, it's a great, uh, been a great relationship to have a real friend like Jerry. I think that's why our team was so damn good, because he was the most talented guy that I could ever think of working with from all aspects of the business. You know, I said this before, Bobby Heenan, I thought, was the most amazing, multi-skilled wrestling performer and uh, that I ever worked with, that I ever saw. And that covers a lot of ground. But if the brain was one, then Jerry Lawler's 1A. So uh, all phases of the business he got, he made me better. He was easy to work with, just uh, terrific. So I love Jerry, and we're looking forward to 2018. We're going to try to have some uh, ringside with JR and the King shows and Q&As and uh, working on a lot of nice projects right now with the King and I. So we'll as soon as we get that somewhat uh, penciled in, we'll let you know what's, uh, what's shaking. But it should be. I just think that those nights could be absolutely priceless. He'll be tremendous in that environment. And, uh, and we seem to play off each other well. So I'll keep you posted on that. I also want to thank uh, Santana Garrett for stopping by the show. She's really an outstanding young woman. She has everything that any female grappler today in the pro game uh, needs. She has a great look, and that's essential. She has great fundamentals. She's got a passion for the business. She's a second-generation wrestler, and I wish her the best. And she, of course, will be a part of that big extravaganza in Orlando with MLW on December the 7th. You can find out more about that at MLW.com. Everything you want to know. You can get directed from that one place to tickets, to video on demand, everything. MLW.com. Make it easy on yourself. I talked earlier about Boston. It's a Saturday afternoon of the Classic Champions weekend in Boston. I'll be there on uh, Saturday afternoon, December 16, 3 o'clock showtime with Jeremy Borash. And we will have some fun. No questions are off limits. You will not be censored. I don't want any, no brawling, but I won't be like, I'll be like those NFL guys. You want to fight in my audience? Ain't a damn soul going to break it up. Those idiots can fight and get penalized and kicked out of games and fined because he, he pulled his $40,000 gold chain off. Now here's what I'm trying to figure out. Why the hell are you wearing a gold chain in a football game or earrings? Come on, cheese. Fashion statement, my ass. Get out of town. So uh, JB and I have a lot of fun uncensored with you. So join us. Tickets at laughboston.com. Thank you. Slobberknocker, the book's doing crazy, doing great, doing really great. I'm so blessed. I know Jan would be so happy if she were here. I think she is in a lot of ways, looking over my shoulder. But the book's doing great. We have a lot of interest in Hollywood on this book, believe it or not. I'm just thinking that a lot of good things are going to come out of this whole finishing the project and the way it all came about. Was, there's something special in this mix. And the feedback, the reviews, big-time reviewers, this has been terrific. So – I'll keep you updated on that as well. I think uh, I'm told that Amazon UK should have their books in. If they don't, it's imminent. It's imminent. I know that uh, apparently I'm told that 2,000 books have been shipped to Amazon UK. If that is indeed accurate, why wouldn't it be? Then uh, you'll be in business over there uh, sooner than later. And I know we got a big audience there. I get asked every day, when you come to the U.K. to sign, I am coming to sign my book in the, in the U.K. and Ireland. We are going to probably be there in April. 
or it could be sooner. It could be, but April looks like it might be after WrestleMania. In other words, bring a book tour there and sign and Q and A's and all that good stuff. Hey, I mentioned too, about the New York signing. We're doing something a little different there on uh Tuesday, December 5th, six o'clock at the Barnes and Noble there in Tribeca. I'm going to do a Q and a, and then the book signing. So, and look, I'm not trying to, you ain't got to buy a ticket to come to any of it. You ain't got to spend a dime. And I understand, Hey, times ain't great. Holidays are here. People spend the money they don't have sometimes. So I'm not asking you to do that, but if you want to come by and say hi, or get a, take a picture or something or me sign something else, I'll be happy to. I'd like to meet my fans and I like that. They want to turn out and, and have some fun as well. Just want to throw that in there. The Q and a and the signing in Barnes and Noble in, uh, Tribeca there in New York city. Oh, I see uh podcast one. They got a new app. You know, that's a cool thing. Check that out. App store and Google play. Got it. Thank you for checking out my sponsors at podcast one.com. And more importantly for supporting them, you know, it uh, helps us a bunch. And you know, when you get to podcast one, O N E.com, it's click on the killer deals button at the top right corner of the page. And then click on the Ross Report banner. Hey, next week, interesting show next week. I'm going to have uh, two men that are going to be on the December 7th show in MLW show in Orlando. And two of the most highly sought after indie wrestlers in the world. And Matt Riddle and John Hennigan, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact. Oh, Johnny. Uh, but he's Johnny. Didn't he? uh, you know, he's quite a good kid. I always liked him. Two guys are, they're different. You know, one guy, they're both at opposite ends of their stick of their, of their career. A lot in common though. Athletic as hell. Both those dudes. So I'm looking forward to being on the show next week. Hope you'll tune in as well. I remember it's free download at Apple podcast, podcast one.com's got it here. And we thank you for that. So that's next week. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that you maximize life's minutes as much as you can. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So from the rolling hills of Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. On the, memo, sir. on the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received uh, a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.